Hello and welcome to Episode 7 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. As parents of special needs children, we tend to focus primarily on the here and now. What's happening today? Will everything be alright for our child? Occasionally, we might think of the future, but mostly in the short term. You know, what's school going to be like for our child next year? We rarely take a chance on thinking about long term. What's their life going to be like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years or more? Predicting the future, of course, is impossible, but sometimes it can be helpful to hear from parents who have older children. People whose children have made it into adulthood and are transitioning from schools to colleges and even careers. In many cases, these parents have had their lives changed in ways they never expected. On this episode, I interview a parent who has gone through just such a journey. Stacy Burns has two sons born with Asperger's syndrome. Her oldest, Devin, is now an adult going to college and beginning a career. Stacy talks about Devin's life from early childhood to the present and also tells us how his disability wound up giving her opportunities that ultimately led to a new career in a field she never would have imagined. I started off by asking Stacy about Devin's original diagnosis and where that led her as he began going to school. Well, originally he was diagnosed at four with ADHD, and um, I could definitely see the ADHD, but I kind of knew there was something else there. And then when he entered into school and started kindergarten, um, obviously they definitely could see that there were some additional issues going on. So I brought him in when he was five and had him reevaluated, and we found out that he had Asperger's disorder. And along with that, he also had um, a generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, depression, and, you know, just some other mood disorders that were going on with that. Wow, that's a lot. So, yeah, you know, it was. Um, you know, they're just labels. You know, I don't think our kids are necessarily defined by their labels. But, um, you know, he was pretty complicated. It was very complex. Um, but, um, you know, it was just an interesting journey. I, you know, I didn't know anything about autism. And when the school, it was actually the school that had approached me, North Muskegon Schools, and they gave me information about Asperger's, and, you know, they were the ones that kind of started it and said, you know, you should really, you know, look more into this. And I remember the day, you know, exactly when I read my first article about Asperger's, and the hair kind of stood up on the back of my neck, and I thought, wow, you know, I am actually reading about Devin, you know, I just wasn't Asperger's. It was reading about Devin, and, you know, it was just a really profound moment. And then when we took him in for the evaluation and um, had that done, and then finding out that he did, in fact, have that and had some other things going on, too, but that definitely put us on, on our path, you know, for the future and mm -hmm. what resources we need to figure out for him. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, the, the, the first time you get the diagnosis, that is really quite a shock. You know, and it's it's amazing to see that kind of thing and uh, realize, okay, this does describe my child. And then, uh, of course, with all children in elementary school have special needs, there were problems for him to adjust and cope and getting along in the school. Can you tell us about some of those situations that happened and some of the problems that went along with that? Yeah. Well, Devin, you know, it was hard to figure him out when he was younger developmentally. You know, he had all the normal milestones that most kids do. And um, academically, you know, he was doing fine. 
um, it was the behavioral things and um, kind of the emotional impairment piece of it. And um, he just had some really odd behaviors when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it did kind of cause concern for other parents and, you know, them just really not understanding him or Asperger's, you know. Devin was born in 92, so at the time of his diagnosis, there weren't, you know, there just wasn't a lot out there about it, and people just really didn't understand it. And, you know, when you hear autism, you know, the assumption is made that, you know, you're going to see, you know, something different, or, you know, you'd be able to visually see it. And with Asperger's, you know, you can't. And right. um, it's it was just difficult. And so... You know, being a young parent, you know, I was only 21 when I had Devin, so I was 26, 27, 28 at the time when he was in early elementary. Um, You know, because the parents don't understand, or they didn't at the time, you know, it was kind of a lonely place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of felt as though people looked at your parenting and wondered what kind of problems were in the home. Oh, yeah, because that's, you know, right off the bat, it's always the parents' fault, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, they, you know, assume that, you know, he's maybe spoiled or, you know, his behavioral things weren't being addressed at home, that, you know, maybe if I spanked him or, you know, maybe if I this or maybe if I that. And it really, you know, it just wasn't about that. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, make him not do some of the things that he was doing. It was just, you know, part of who he was. Right. And you mentioned uh, previously to me that uh, there were problems in school to the point where he was suspended a lot? Yeah, he had a lot of difficulty in first and second grade. Um, But then it was when he entered third grade, it was just, it spiraled. And we started the school year, and he did. He ended up with just a string of suspensions. And within the first four weeks, we sat down and, you know, as a team, we made the decision to put him in a regional placement for emotionally impaired children. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, you know, that was a difficult decision to make because academically and developmentally, you know, he was a very bright child and he was very smart. You know, he just didn't fit in a regular classroom and he had some serious behavioral issues that were going on. And... Um, you know, making that switch, you know, he didn't fit in the regular classroom, but I don't know that he necessarily fit in, you know, a regional placement either. But luckily, um, the EI classroom that he attended was actually housed at the school that he attended, which was at North Muskegon School. So he was still in the same building. He was just in a different class. You know, it was kind of separate, you know, from, you know, what the rest of the, the kids were doing and stuff. It seems like uh, third grade is when the big, uh, it's the big transition year because they go from group stuff to working more individualized. And so it's, it seems that's the year that has where the most problems start to crop up. But, uh, and of course, then being isolated and into a different classroom um uh, caused other problems for him socially and all that. And that was the year then that he, or that's when he started to, uh, talk about the idea of having a friendship club? Yeah, you know, first and second grade, of course, there were challenges. And, um, you know, it's just really difficult with everyone really not understanding Asperger's and understanding what Devin was all about. And it just 
compounded it when Devin went into the EI placement because then, you know, he was in, you know, one of those rooms. And then, you know, obviously, you know, that really created a stigma for him too. And, um, yeah, by the end of third grade, you know, he felt, I think he felt just really disconnected from his schoolmates and his classmates. You know, he didn't really have any friends um, because people didn't understand him. Um, you know, parents, I'm, you know, if I were a parent on the outside, you know, I, I can see why parents would feel the way that they felt. Um, but, yeah, he was really lonely. It was really difficult. It's, it's hard to be the kid that doesn't get invited to anything. You know, he was never invited to birthday parties. He couldn't do Boy Scouts or, I mean, he couldn't do anything unless I did it, you know, unless I facilitated it. But even then, you know, it just would have been really challenging because, you know, he had some pretty significant things going on. But, um, yeah, it was at the end of third grade and summer was, you know, just about to start and um, we were sitting at my parents' house and talking with my mom and dad and, you know, he was just talking about being lonely and that he wanted some friends. And um, he said, you know, Mom, I think we should do a summer friendship club. And I just remember I looked over at my dad, and he's like, well, if you're going to do it, you should do it right. And so, you know, that was just kind of what started the whole thing. And so we thought, well, great, we're going to do a summer friendship club then. And, you know, the first year we just invited a handful of kids that I thought might come, that I kind of knew the parents, and, you know, I thought their kids might be willing to come. And I think we started out with, like, eight or maybe 12 kids that we invited. Mm -hmm. And we decided to do activities um, the second and fourth Thursday of June, July, and August. So there were six activities that we would do during the summer. And the first year that we did it, it was, um, it was a lot of fun. It was just called Summer Friendship Club. You know, it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, it had so much fun with the first year when the second summer came. I thought, well, you know, this is a little bit bigger, so, you know, we need to actually create a name for it. And then, you know, we had also talked about, you know, we didn't want anyone to feel excluded from the fun because Devin always felt excluded. So we thought the only right thing to do was to invite everyone. So we invited his entire class at North Muskegon, the graduating class of 2011, and I think the second year, I think we had like 30 or 35 kids that attended, and then it just really snowballed from there. And um, we ended up having to incorporate it um, and created a nonprofit. And we had um, a contest to create a new name for the Friendship Club, and it was um, the the person that won. It was ended up being called the Neighborhood Norseman. And that was the name of his group. And, yeah, each year it just grew. And, you know, the Chronicle did several articles, you know, over that few years. And we were in the North Muskegon Parade. And, um, oh, yeah, it was just really huge. But, you know, the coolest part was really having that opportunity to connect with other parents and to talk about Asperger's and talk about, you know, Devin's challenges and to have Devin have that time with the other students so that they could really learn about him and learn that, you know, yeah, he's a little bit different, but, you know, this kid is, you know, kind of cool too. And, you know, and during all of these activities that we had planned, you know, we planned them out in the community. 
so we were working with local businesses. You know, we were doing things with our local fire department. You know, we were doing activities that involved the school. So, you know, there was that constant, you know, even though it's kind of underlying tone, that educational component where we're letting everyone in the community know more about Asperger's. And, and it was just so helpful for Devin and for our family. And, um, you know, in the end, um, he ended up with some really strong advocates for him within the school because then the kids, you know, they, they just felt connected and they wanted to help Devin. And so when he was being bullied or, you know, had different challenges at school, you know, the kids were just a lot more understanding. So, That's great. Yeah, it helped a lot. Yeah, because uh, that's really the biggest, I think, challenge to any parent, <clears throat> excuse me, or a child with special needs is the fact that, you know, it's really getting kids to understand that they're not really all that much different and they still like to do the same thing as other kids do. It's just they may not necessarily be able to communicate that. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So the Friendship Club, you know, that continued um, for five years. And then um, at the fifth year mark, you know, they were kind of around that middle school age. And, um, you know, when we finished out the last year, I mean, it was really dynamic and really cool. I remember one of our last events, we did a Fear Factor night. I actually had like 60 kids in my backyard. It wow. was insane. Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. bet. Jeez. It was. It was so insane. It was so much fun. You know, we had such a great time. But, you know, they were kind of entering in a new stage of their life, and they were getting a little older, and they were getting, of course, a little cooler. Yeah. And I could just kind of sense and feel that, um, you know, it was a time for this chapter to end and for a new one to begin. And um, so, you know, I felt like, you know, I did what I had intended and, you know, provided a lot of education for families and for people in the community and, um you know, for his peers and different things like that. So so then the next chapter started, which was um, the Autism Network of Muskegon County. Right, and that's when you met the other parents of children with Asperger's and autism, and you decided to create, this is kind of cool, you, you decided to create a support group that would also serve as a friendship group for the kids, so both parents and kids. It's just really interesting how everything kind of aligns. Um, yeah, it was right at the end of Friendship Club, and I met with this other parent. He was a real go-getter. His name is Jim Holtz. And uh, he's like, you know, he had an Asperger son, too, that was a little bit older than Devin. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, we need to do something. And, you know, there needs to be more for parents. There just really isn't anything out there. And uh, we had met with some different people at the Muskegon Area Intermediate School District, and we're kind of brainstorming. And we came across a group that was already existing in Muskegon County. It was called the Muskegon Society for Autistic Citizens. And we had attended a couple of their meetings, and they did have some longstanding members that were involved with that group. But it was it was pretty dry at the time. You know, there wasn't a lot of participation. Um, there just was, you know, really at the time, there just wasn't a lot with it going on. And uh, we had approached them about, well, what do you think? And, um, you know, got a group of parents excited. And... Um, we decided to remake the whole thing, and um, what we ended up with, it was, um, you know, myself and a couple other parents um, created the Autism Network of Muskegon County, 
and then we went on to incorporate that um, into a nonprofit and went after the um, tax exempt status and, of course, stuff like that, and got a template website up. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about the journey with Friendship Club and, you know, the education that had occurred there. And, you know, I thought, you know, it's really cool for Devin to get that exposure to neurotypical peers, but. Yeah, I really think because he feels different, he feels like he's the only one. You know, there weren't really other students similar to him at North Muskegon at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I had approached, you know, the board at the time, um, which was just a handful of parents. But, you know, I had said, well, you know, why don't we do a group for teens and do, let's do a teens in transition. And, you know, the, it just, it built momentum from there, and we decided to offer movie nights that were at the Muskegon Area Intermediate School District, and the kids could come in and hang out and have pizza or play board games. Parents would come and learn about um, different topics. You know, we would provide workshops, you know, educational things. And um, it was just a huge hit, and what a great opportunity for all of our young people to get together to realized that, you know, they weren't really that different. They were different, but there were different people just like them, and um, they definitely connected and made very long-lasting friendships. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's not like they become great friends and they pick up the phone and call each other. That initiation piece for individuals on the spectrum is really difficult, but they remember each other, and, you know, their paths still after all these years, continue to cross, even till now, a lot of them are still connected. And um, so that was just, you know, a great opportunity with the Autism Network and, yeah, and doing it's also, the transition. Yeah, and I was going to say it's also great for the parents, too, because one of the most challenging aspects of being a parent of a special needs child is there are a lot of great support groups out there, but getting the opportunity to go to the support group sometimes doesn't always work out because you have to do something with the child and they're not always able to have the child at the support group's meeting. So being able to combine them, at least in this situation, was probably a tremendous help. Yeah, 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 it definitely was. And, and it was a win-win, you know. It was a win for the kids in getting them together and giving them an outlet to have social opportunities and make friends. Because, you know, they don't have those, you know, back then they didn't. They didn't really have those opportunities in school. You know, right. It's really difficult. It's not like you can get them signed up for a sport or, because, you know, that just really wasn't their thing. And, you know, it was just challenging for them. So it was a win for the kids and it was a win for the parents and definitely an opportunity for parents to be able to connect and, you know, share their stories and talk about, you know, their um their challenges and, you know, we could celebrate our joys together and, you know, the good things that came along and different things like that. So it was it was definitely a win for everybody. Right. And then it was right around then, too, that you started to uh, get involved in other organizations and you kind of made a entire transition as far as uh, your career ideas and you uh, got involved with a group called MOCA. And how, how did that come about? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's just funny how... One thing led to the next, which led to the next. Um, Yeah, around the time, you know, teens in transition, I think that continued for a couple years. But, you know, while all these things were kind of going on in my life, in the background, um, you know, I was working part-time and going to school full-time. 
going to college. I didn't have the opportunity to do that when Devin was younger, and even employment wasn't really something that I could do when Devin was younger. But when I turned 31, Devin was 10 years old, and I got pregnant for his brother. Um, I decided, you know, I definitely needed to do something, and um, I knew at that point having a a baby at home and having Devin that, you know, working full-time wasn't going to be what I was going to be doing. So I decided to go back to school. So while all this stuff was going on, um, yeah, I was going to school full-time. And um, I had a neighbor at the time who, you know, a set of neighbors that I was very close to. And um, he's passed on now. He's deceased. But his name was Jack Vandersell, and he worked for an organization that was called MOCA. And he knew that I was very passionate about autism and about serving families and just being a support for families. And um, he knew that MOCA had a mission statement that kind of aligned with, you know, one, you know, some of the things that I talked about. And although MOCA wasn't providing a lot for individuals on the spectrum at the time, he knew that they wanted to. And so he used to come over and um, he would talk to me about that all the time you know, oh, you need to come and, you know, work for MOCA and you need to talk about your stories. And, and um, you know, when I got toward the end of college, you know, during the process of college, I wasn't 100% sure, you know, what I was going to end up with at the end. But I really just felt led to MOCA. Um, and so I did come here just um, just before I graduated with my four-year degree and applied for a job and took an entry-level position. Um, and got my foot in the door, and yeah, and now the rest of that is history. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had an opportunity to, you know, share about, um, you know, the things that obviously I was really passionate about autism, and, um, you know, I, I stayed in my, my mentoring. That's what I was hired as, was a mentor. I did that for about eight months and um, I got promoted into a supervisory position. And um, one of our board members at the time with the Autism Network um, also um, started doing some volunteer work for MOCA and through some collaboration with different community agencies and different things, I was fortunate enough to be a part of all of that interworking in the community with all these collaborating agencies and MOCA as an organization, and um, another program cropped up through all of that. Um, You know, we definitely found a niche in the community for individuals on the spectrum that um, it was something, it was a need. It was a need that was expressed by families, by agencies in the community that, um, you know, these individuals definitely had needs to gain social skills to help them overcome barriers out in the community with employment, with college, uh, with being independent, you know, just making friendships out in the community. It was a huge need for these individuals. And um, I was just fortunate enough to, you know, be in the right place at the right time and um, just blessed. Um, MOCA is um, a fairly large nonprofit. it's spelled M-O-K-A, which is Muskegon, Ottawa, Kenton, Allegan. Right. I was just going to mention that. Uh, I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of this. But anyway, here we are. So we can explain a little more about what yeah, MOCA is and no, what it does. Yeah, that's okay. And it serves 
individuals with disabilities in six counties here in West Michigan. And it is a huge organization. Um, I think we employ over 600 people, wow. I think. Um, yeah, it's huge. And a lot of people don't know a lot about MOCA because, you know, they really have this mission to be, to have the community be a really inclusive environment for the individuals that we serve. So it's not like when our vans are going down the road, you know, there's nothing that identifies them. MOCA is just, you know, it's just an incredible organization. And um, what a, a wonderful culture to work for. Um, they definitely nurture that culture of gentleness. And it's definitely a very family-orientated environment. And I have to tell you, when I, when I looked at, you know, different employers and who I might possibly want to work for in the future, you know, knowing the challenges that I had at home, um, you know, I had to be, you know, I had to kind of be careful and because, you know, obviously your kids come first right. and you have to make sure that their needs are met, but then trying to balance a career and, you know, your family needs. You know, it's quite a juggling act. And it's always a huge challenge for everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I've just been so incredibly fortunate. And, um, and it's not all me. You know, it, it's, there's just a lot of collaboration. And really, it just takes a community, just a village of people to raise these kids and for parents, you know, just to, you know, get through it and um, do the best that they possibly can, um, but, you know, I was just so thankful that I did come to MOCA, and I've definitely found a home here, and I'm just so incredibly blessed that I still get to work with, you know, individuals that are on the spectrum and talk with families and provide support and help our young people really make that transition into adulthood, and it's just a wonderful thing, and, you know, we started here in Muskegon at Muskegon Community College, and it was really a collaborative effort at the time with the college and our local ISD with Michigan Rehab, Community Mental Health. You know, we all came together, and, you know, we're really a part of the design of the, the social coaching program. And um, it's just gotten huge here in Muskegon. And then a year after it started here at MOCA, because it started January 2010, it then grew to Zealand in Ottawa County um, the next year, and then the following year after that, classes started in Grand Haven, and now we are in the process of um, expanding and providing a pilot project in Kent County for this fall. Mm -hmm. So it's just really grown tremendously. Um, we've seen wonderful outcomes with students and with families, and yeah, what what an awesome opportunity to, you know, and a lot of the individuals that have come through social coaching, ironically enough, um, we, you know, autism, you know, I tell people this all the time, for parents, it's like a culture that you live in, mm -hmm. you know, these circles, and our lives are forever entangled, <laughs> and our paths continue to cross, and we still talk about it all the time, you know, parents friends that I've met 10, 15 years ago, and we still talk. A lot of the kids that I've seen, young people that have gone through social coaching, a lot of those families I met through the Autism Network and through the Teens in Transition group there, and it's just been 
an amazing opportunity for all of us, you know, for the parents that are involved, too, to see all of our young people and see their growth and, you know, the maturity and, um, you know, just all of that with our young people and, you know, see them now as young adults. And, you know, we shake our head now and we think, wow, I never would have thought, you know, looking at where our kids were then, that they would get to where they are now. But they do. They do. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And now you also have that other group, and if that's what you were uh, talking about, but the, the Young Adults Project for Service and Socialization, is that part of that, or is that? Well, actually, the YAPS group, you know, I, I seem to have my iron in a lot of fires. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the YAPS group was actually a collaborative effort that happened through, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Grand Valley State, um, it's called START. Mm-hmm. It's an autism, it's a statewide autism and resource um, training thing that is offered. And the regional collaborative for here in West Michigan is called WestMAC. And I'm a part of that group. And through that group, um, we identified a need for individuals who are 18 and over. There aren't a lot of opportunities for socialization for our individuals, for our young adults. And... Um, you know, we had talked about some different needs, and, you know, a subcommittee, of course, you know, was created. And, of course, I had to volunteer um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it just really made sense. And um, so this Young Adult Project for Service and Socialization was created. And, um, you know, that has just been an amazing thing, too, Um you know, it's for individuals that are on the spectrum, 18 and over, and, it, you know, it's not, it's all about the individuals. Um, you know, the parents aren't necessarily, you know, they're adults, and we want them to be independent and in doing things out in the community. So what they do is, um, you know, different people have different ideas on things that they want to do in the community. Um, and we kind of help them a little bit, not a lot facilitate events and um, invite all of the YAPS members to come. And um, their very first event they did was at Grand Valley State University, and um, it was awesome. Uh, We ended up having to get a bus, a Pioneer bus, to come and um, pick all the individuals up because, you know, transportation for a lot of our young folks is a barrier. So we did arrange for a bus um, to come and get them. And we went to, um, Grand Valley has a Grindy Low Cup tournament. Mm. Um, It's an annual thing. And if you're a Harry Potter fan, you would recognize what that is. But um, it wasn't even about the Grindy Low. You know, it was just all about getting together and having fun. And uh, we ended up, um, it was a really cold day. And so we ended up inside the university. And uh, we were fortunate enough. Um, There was a lot of individuals, you know, even from the Grand Valley side with Amy Matthews um, kind of coordinating um, her interns, and they have the Lynx program over there, which is a program for students with Asperger's to live at the dorms there at Grand Valley. So they had their own volunteers. We had our own young people. We all came together. They played board games. Um, They played Just Dance um, on the Wii. 
I don't know. It was just a really great time. And then since then, you know, they've gotten together and done laser tag over in Holland. And, you know, our hope is that, you know, these activities will just kind of continue between Muskegon, Grand Haven, Ottawa. And, you know, maybe it will grow outside of that. But, you know, it's just a cool opportunity. So, you know, if young people, you know, that are 18 and over with an autism spectrum disorder are feeling like they're not very connected with friends, they should definitely go on Facebook and like YAPS. It's um, Y-A-P-S-S, Young Mm -hmm. Adult Project for Service and Socialization. And, you know, just keep current on the things that are going on. And, you know, it's a great way to kind of jump in and just make some new friends and kind of get connected out in the community. So, yeah, that's been a really fun group, too. That's great. And now your son, uh, your oldest son, Devin, now you you have two kids two boys now with and they're both uh on the uh autism spectrum yeah uh, and uh but your oldest son devin's now 19 years old and you said he's in his second year at muskegon community college and he's also yeah, working at the library who would have thought yeah, yeah he's he's 20 now wow so he had a birthday ah, okay yeah he's just finishing his second year of college um he's been going full-time mm-hmm. which is pretty huge um, yeah How's the adjustment been to uh, for him to go on like this and make these transitions? Have and you know, probably this is uh, maybe the best endorsement of all the stuff that you've been doing as far as social groups and things like that would be um, his success story and the success story of other kids and how they've been able to adapt. Um, how much of a role did the social programs and all these groups uh, help your son with coping with all this? Do you think? Well. You know, I know all of the things all along the way definitely helped because transitions are incredibly difficult, Um, you know, and I knew college was going to be a huge one. He attended the social coaching program the summer before he started at Muskegon Community College, and that that was huge because what a great way to start off a college experience, you know, kind of getting acclimated to the college environment Um, making friends with other students, and, you know, some of them were future MCC students or currently attending, you know, learning some of those self-advocacy skills that are so huge um, for their success, you know, if they're not able to express their strengths and, you know, their challenges and really just, um, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, if the challenges are there, you know, it's, it's okay but you have to be able to communicate it and you have to be able to tell, you know, professors and, you know, it's not all about mom anymore. Mom can't do the advocacy piece. You know, it's all on Devin now. And, you know, for the students to really be successful, especially, well, I wouldn't say especially in a college environment because it's the same in a work environment too. Mm -hmm. They have to know those self-advocacy skills. They have to be able to, you know, understand and have that self-awareness to know what their strengths and challenges are and to know how to ask for help and when. And, um, you know, it wasn't as if, you know, social coaching was the end-all. Like, that just, you know, made it great. I mean, it's just you continually, you know, the conversations continue to occur. And, you know, I keep reminding them that um, when you feel like you're falling behind or if you're starting to feel overwhelmed or you're confused, you know, he definitely, I have to tell you, he's 20, and of course he knows everything. Mm-hmm. He gets really tired of mom, 
you know, telling him, you know, what he should do next because, you know, he has all the answers. But, of course, I'm the mom, so I still continue to do that. But I just remind him, um, you know, who he needs to talk to and, oh, you need to, you know, get into the learning center and, you know, you need to set up appointments for tutoring. And, you know, his hope was to go to MCC for a couple years and then go to Grand Valley. Um, but I think he's going to stick it out here for a while yet, and I don't even know for sure if he'll um, want to transfer to Grand Valley, but, sure. um, you know, he definitely likes going to Muskegon Community College, and he likes all the friends and all the people that he's met along the way. Right, and I think it's just, you know, the fact that he is going to college is probably the biggest single victory of it all, and where he goes from there is just icing on the cake, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, you know, there's a lot of hand-wrenching, and, you know, you wonder if he's going to make it through, and, you know, there's a little panic that sets in for me as a parent towards the end of the semester, wondering, you know, is he going to pass all of his classes, and it's very stressful for him, and, um, yeah, it's it's really challenging right. because, you know, academically, you know, he does okay, but... You know, he does okay in a lot of the arenas. He really does. But not having that total social awareness, you know, it, it does create some challenges. And sometimes he needs a little extra or a little extra instruction. And, you know, like when you go into the financial aid office and they tell you, well, there's the computer and do this, this, and this. And, and you know, he'll come home and tell me, like, I had no idea what they were talking about. Right. <laughs> and, um, you yeah, know, stuff like that. Man just really hard because you you want to go in and you want to help them and and you know and now it's like it starts all over again because you know then you feel like well I don't know that the college really understands but it's so big and there's just so many students that you know I don't know that they're you know what do you do right because you can't really go in there with him you know <laughs> no no uh-uh no and I don't know that he would necessarily want me to well, but no. <laughs> you know we're still muddling through it and he's still a student and um, I actually think he's going to do the best grade-wise this semester that he's done so far. And so he's, you know, getting a lot better with his time management and his organization skills. And, um, you know, it has its challenges. But, goodness, he sure has overcome a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. How's the, uh, what's the dynamic like between uh, your two sons? Because the one, of course, being 10 years younger than your oldest son is there a, is there a different kind of dynamic as far as uh, how they relate to each other? Do, can, they, can they help each other, or is it more a typical? You know, I'm doing my own thing, you do your own thing, and we just get along when we have to. Uh, they're funny. They're like <laughs> oil and water. Ah. They're like peanut butter and jelly, salt and yeah. pepper. <laughs> um, they love each other, and sometimes they really enjoy being together, and then um, other times they just do not, and they fight. And um, I think it's pretty typical with most siblings, you know, not getting along at that age. Right. And, you know, I think it's just really typical. You know, they definitely love each other, and but, you know, they fight. You know, when you sit down to dinner, you just know better. Right. And, you know, we have a seating arrangement for a reason. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, his little brother, he has, he has Asperger's, too, but... Um, you know, he doesn't have the same challenges that Devin had. You know, he has different ones, so they're just 
two very different kids. Right. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think their relationship is pretty typical of, you know, any sibling mm-hmm. relationship. With or without the Asperger's. Yeah, with or without. <laughs> That's yeah, great. definitely. Well, your son's disabilities have not only just changed your perspective on how he can live his life, but also had major influences on the course of your life. Um, I guess, you know, looking for parents who are just getting started on these kinds of journeys with uh, special needs kids and you coming from uh, what's, you know, to me is a great success story here. What kind of um, what kind of advice could you offer to parents who are getting started and wondering what it's going to be like uh, with their kids in school and uh what they can look forward to as far as the future, because I think one of the problems when you have little young kids is that you really can't imagine what a future is going to be. Yeah. Because you're just trying to get through the day to day and the next year maybe is what we're thinking about. Well, I, you know, I think the biggest thing is to really get connected with a group mm-hmm. and start there. And, you know, if you're in Muskegon County, I would say the autism network. If you're Ottawa County, I would say go to the autism society of West shore. If you're Kent, I would go to the ask the autism society of Kent County and, um, talk to other parents and, you know, every experience that I had, you know, I would look at Devin and see where needs were. And, you know, it was through other parents and those relationships and talking with other people and seeing the need of other families. You know, I just wouldn't be afraid to jump in because I think that, you know, if you see the need within your own family and, you know, with other people in the community and if you create something, people will come they do um you create it and they come and um you know lots of families have needs and you know i think sometimes you know maybe the resources aren't there you know families might not you know be able to you know go forth and create but um you know just get involved in the community and build those relationships with you know other parents and um you know because those friendships are just huge um and they're lasting you know, um, you know, I'm still connected with so many families that, you know, I was talking to, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago, and, you know, still to this day we're connected and we talk, and, and um, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, they're my touchstone, they're my sanity, and, you know, we, we laugh and we joke about it, but, you know, really no one understands but a parent. Right. The re- the real, you know, the the realistic part of what we're going through. And, you know, I always talk about the parent culture, you know, parents who have kids on the spectrum. When we come together, you know, it's just so comfortable um, because you don't have to explain anything. Um, if your child is, you know, having, you know, severe emotional <laughs> problems. Right. Uh, you know, we always felt so comfortable when we came together, and you didn't have to explain it. You didn't have to be embarrassed by it. Right. Um, it's more you know, of a, oh, talk- yeah, we had that happen, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and even when we talk today, you know, and now that our kids are getting older, you know, we stay connected, and, you know, it's those relationships that have just been, you know, a huge part. And, you know, relationships with one another, it's the relationships that you build within the school districts, and with the teaching staff and the administration, and, you know, it's just so important to really just build and nurture those relationships, and, you know, that creates really strong advocates. 
you know, and when there's communication breakdowns and different things in the school, you know, that can that can get kind of ugly. So, um, you know, you just definitely want to nurture those relationships and you want them to grow. And, you know, over time, you know, you there's a lot less and less fight going on because in the beginning you feel like that's your natural response. You have to fight and, you know, get the best. And, you know, all of a sudden I came to this realization that, you know, I didn't even really have to fight anymore because um, they knew and we had those relationships and I trusted them. And so, you know, as Devin went through school and, you know, just different things, you know, I just felt so supported, so thankful, um, you know, to have all the people around me and all the parents and, yeah, so it was definitely a blessing for my family. Right, and there's a tendency, too, you know, when you're first getting involved that you think, like, oh, you know, I'm the only one who's experiencing this, but then you, when you meet other parents and you realize, okay, there's a lot of other people who are going through similar situations, and it's kind of reassuring. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, because you do, it's very, you feel very isolated, you feel very alone, you feel like you're the only one. Um, and I think that's why, you know, the parent bond is so strong um, because together we know that we are not the only ones. And, you know, when we have tough days, uh, we do, you know, we lean on each other um, quite a bit because, you know, there are lots of tough days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And just the knowledge that we're not the only ones having the tough days <laughs> right. I think is a great thing. Well, thank you so much for talking with us, Stacy. It's uh, great to have you on the podcast, and I think uh, it's going to help a lot of parents out there to know that uh, there are solutions out there, and if, if the current solution that you're looking for doesn't exactly exist, you can create the solution yourself and get others to help out. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again to Stacy Burns for sharing her son Devin's story and her own journey through parenthood and how sometimes the future can be better than we might expect. And this has been Episode 7 of Special Parents Confidential. I'm John Pellegrini. Thanks for listening.